what we're going to do tonight. We have three subjects. And the fourth subject is the, um, the potato kugel. <laughs> and it's all, and my wife is cooking and she's been doing it again. We are back. Can you just move over a little bit? Sorry. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So, and my wife's still, we're having kids she came to Shabbos. We're back in. God bless you to 120, give us strength. Amen. So here's the deal. One topic that we're going to learn is the Kedushas Levi. We'll talk about him for a moment. And we're going to learn what the, one day the Boston Rebbe, who are very close to he just took me aside and he used to call me Yehida. <laughs> and he said, Yehida, I want to learn with you a piece of Hasidus. It was the only thing in Hasidus that he ever taught me, I think, inside. And he said, when I teach it to you and you know it, you'll know more than most people on this planet. Most Hamidi Chacham, he said, understanding people and everything. It's a beautiful piece. And we're going to do that. I don't know if that'll be the first thing. That's very funny. It happens to be a parsha's bracious, and it's absolutely gorgeous. It has to do a lot with how to raise your children and how to deal with human beings, including wives, brothers, sisters, even parents, everybody. The second thing we're going to do, but we could do it first, is the famous business with Noah. We got a problem with a Rashi. And it's not a problem with Rashi. It's just something very unusual. And it's a big, big perspective on how we have to look on ourselves. Okay? So that's number two. And number three. Here comes a big tzaddik over here, my friend. The number three, which is really very interesting, is the Lubavitcher Rebbe quotes something from the Zohar which is something that everybody in this room, because of where we are today, with how do you look at technology, see, we're caught with a problem. Let me, let me just, it's the last thing I was going to do, but maybe it's going to be the first thing that we're going to talk about. You know, remember like about two years ago, and it's actually four years ago, they had this big rally, this giant rally against technology, Remember that thing? Now, I don't care if this is on because, what am I going to do? So everybody think I'm a pervert. I don't know. Anybody on this room here who has ever experienced Western society in the year 2022 and below has seen many a thing that he or she should not be seeing. I say he or she, but it's really he because women can go, you know, do whatever they want. It's really the men. So the bottom line is, there's a thing called Shmir Senayim, and you know what I mean? Like, you know, and anybody, now it happens to be, that Breslov, I didn't even know what the word Shmir Senayim meant until my kids got into Breslov, because Breslov is very into this idea of the term, which means watching what you see. Chabad agrees. Chabad doesn't say go out and get penthouse, you know what I mean? You guys don't even know what that is. That's that's a long time ago. But anyway, it, it, why you have this tape on it? I don't care. I don't care. But Chas It's from. But the concept, just like the Lubavitcher Rebbe had, 
siblings that died in the Holocaust. He had siblings. He had siblings who died in the Holocaust. But yet, you never hear, you never, the Rebbe never spoke at Fabringen's about the Holocaust. He didn't talk about it. Didn't mean it didn't exist. Again, he lost his sister, Dinah, I think his brother too, but for sure his sister died in the Holocaust. He was in France, right? He was in France when it was being taken over by Vichy France, by the Nazis, and he escaped and came to America on one of the last boats into America from, from France, okay? Chabad was decimated in Europe. It wasn't that he didn't know about the Holocaust. He didn't talk about it. He wasn't talking about it. When there was a, um, this, 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 if you want to understand the Rebbe's attitude toward the Holocaust, there's a famous story that the UJA wanted to make a proclamation that at the Seder, there should be an empty seat for the one and a half million little children that were killed by the Nazis, Yimach Shimon. And the Rebbe said, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to have an empty seat at the Seder. I want another Jew at that Seder. That was, that was his brain. I don't want to have an empty seat commemorating the Holocaust. I don't want to know about Holocaust. You know, I grew up in Connecticut, and all the money that the Jewish community was raising was for Holocaust museum, you know, memorials and everything. Today it's really different, because in 10 years from now, there won't be any Holocaust survivors left. So we have a different problem today that people don't even remember the Holocaust. It's going to become like... Um, like uh, the Crusades or something like that. But the Rebbe's attitude, I'm sorry, so <clears throat> we have to understand, I didn't know anything about Shemir Senaim because the Rebbe didn't talk, the Chabad Hasidus doesn't talk about it. You don't focus on it, you go forward. You don't focus on it, doesn't mean it's a good thing to be seeing things you shouldn't see, and I'm amongst those people, that like everybody else, we have to... You know what I mean? Go to the mikvah with the eyes open, maybe. But the bottom line is that the bottom line is that the Rebbe's approach, and not just the Rebbe, all Chabad Hasidus was: you go forward, and that's not what we're going to st- focus on. Breast focuses two different approaches. Okay, so we had that big, big Met Stadium, I think it was, or whatever, opposed to technology, right? Do you remember? You remember that thing? Yes. And I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, this does not talk to me. This does not talk to me. I find it hard to believe that it talked to anybody in this room. Don't talk to me. Are they wrong? Are they wrong to be focusing on putting on filter systems and everything else? Are they wrong? No, you can't say they're wrong. But it doesn't focus to me. So the Rebbe, the Rebbe has an entire thing on this. I think maybe we should do that first. Because it's so interesting how it fits into how our psyches are. So let's go the last couple pages. This is worthwhile seeing the last couple pages here. Hello, lawyer. Here you go. Last two pages. It's over here. Oh, no. Hi, Tobes. What? So listen to what it says. This is the Rebbe over here. Anybody here? How many people here have learned the Rebbe inside? 
Ah, that's a cool thing. The Rebbe's writing is very interesting. So we're going to read it over here a little bit, a little bit, and I think you're going to enjoy it. It says, Al-Hapasuk. Do you see this one at the end? It's the last three pages. No, no, the end. The last two pages. It says on the top, Giloi HaChachmos. Okay, so I'm going to read to you the first, then we're going to skip. I, I want to make sure we can cover this without getting bored. It says, Al-Hapasuk Bishnah Sheish Milosh Shonel Chai Noach. It says in the, in the in the Torah on this week, it speaks about the flood, right? It speaks about the flood, and it says in the six hundredth year that Noah lived, and then it, that's when the flood took place in the six hundredth year, and then it, and it possibly says Nifku Komayonos to Home that the the heavens opened up and the the earth, like all the waters from the ground, all came out in the year 600. Everything just eroded and went crazy. Here, pass it over there, okay? Let me ask you a question. Why do you care if it was a 600? What is going on? Hi, I'm giving a share, so can you call me back? Thank you so much. What we're going to do is we're going to turn it off. Yeah. So, let me ask you a question. Why do you care? If it was in the year 600, what does that have to do with me and for you? Okay. I mean, you always have that question, who cares, like, you know, how long the Mabel lasted. And it's all for messages. We're learning from it. But specifically, what's this deal with 600? So, he quotes the famous Zohar. And this Zohar is very important. It says, Nemar Besefer HaZohar. It says in the Zohar. How many people here learn Zohar regularly? Good. Tonight we'll learn a little Zohar. Oh, very good. It says, B'meya hashishis, le'elef hashishi. You got to know that in the 6,600th year of the 6,000 period, the 6th millennium, Yiftachu shariya the heavenly knowledge will be opened up, Mayonos ha-chokma lemata. And the lower wisdom will be opened up on this earth. And the world will begin preparations to enter the seventh millennium. Okay, so we know the Gemara says in Sanhedrin that the world was created to be, the physical world is created for 6,000 years. Right? 6,000 years. At the conclusion of 6,000 years, you have the 7,000, the 1,000 year of we call the Messianic time period. And that's all what they call in English eschatological thought, what happens at the end of time. So basically, this physical world was created for six up to, to get, you know, you have five, you have six days of the week, right? You work six days, and then at the end of the sixth day, what happens? You have Shabbos. How long is Shabbos? One day. So if you compare to the existence of the world, you have six days. Six, six days of the week is equal to 6,000 years of the world working and functioning. And the seventh day of the week, which is Shabbos, is, com- is compared to the 7,000 time period. Did I lose everybody here? No. You got it so far? 
I'm just confused. If we're okay. expecting 6,000 years, then why are we expecting Mashiach to come before that? No, because you can make it faster. You can bring Shabbos in early. That's a real big issue. And by the way, you're able to bring Shabbos in early, and that's what that and that has to do with this. And if you were one of those people that plays around with things, and you're really into Messianic thought, so then if you take each, and by the way, the Vilna Gon did this, Avi was speaking about this last week, about how we're in, the, this, this period of time that we're in is the sixth day, and the sixth, the 6,000 connects with events that take place, Er Shabbos, and we bring Shabbos in at Mincha Gedola, is the earliest at the end of the day, we're really close to the end, like, you know what I mean? And that's the idea of bringing Shabbos in early, you're bringing Mashiach early. But the basic idea before you all fall asleep on me is 6,000 is equal to 600, okay? Uh, six days of the week, okay? So the manager says over here that in the six, the, the flood took place when Noah was 600 years old. Right? The flood takes place when he's 600 years old. <coughs> that corresponds to the 600th year within the 6th millennium, which is when the Industrial Revolution, Revolution, Revolution took place. I think it's 1740-something. That's, if you look it up, we could, we could do that. They have this written all over the place. There's a famous, there's a famous Zohar that that the Industrial Revolution began, and it was the same time that the Baal Shem Tov and the Vilna Gon were born. The same time period was that 600-year period that the heaven, just like there was the flood, that the heavenly waters, the rains opened up, and the water from the bottom came up. So, and then, and so at the same time, 6,000 years, I mean, you know, in the 6,000th of the seventh years, which is when the Industrial Revolution took place, and, and when Hasidism and, and the Kabbalah of the Vilna Gon take place, something special is going on. Did you see this connection? Am I lost? Did I lose anybody? I lost everybody. <coughs> Did I lose you? Did I lose you? Yeah, it's 10 o'clock, so the numbers lost me. Can you do it okay, one more time? Okay. Just the numbers. <laughs> you got six days of the week. Yeah. Okay? And then you got Shabbos. We love Shabbos. We need some sugar in the blood right now. Okay, so six days of the week, then you get the seventh day of the week of Shabbos. There are 6,000 years that the world was created, the physical world, where you have to go to chase and get money out of the bank, you know? 6,000 years of working, and we're in 5,783. Of the six thousand, comes the year six. Comes the year, the next at the end of five thousand seven hundred whatever, right? Because we're at the end of time. What happens? We hit Shabbos. Okay. The Medrash, the Zohar says that in the six hundredth year of the sixth millennium, which means five thousand six hundred, that number five thousand six hundred. Hashem opens up the heavenly world of spirituality, and that's the Baal Shem Tov and the Grub. And he opens up the, the physical Chachma of the world, which is the Industrial Revolution, 
And why? The Zohar says, in order to prepare for coming of Mashiach. Okay? That's what he says. Okay? Now. How does that correlate to the model? Because it happened at the same time. He was 600 years. And this is 600 within that time period. I'm not a capitalist. How long did the model last? Oh, so now you're getting into the other stuff, which is when you start figuring out, once you start figuring that type of stuff, then you can figure out, you can talk to Avi about this, that there's a lot of material written about exactly what was going on in the model. We'll have we'll talk about this. We can do it next week. I can bring it down. We're a cookbook about how at the end of the sixth day exactly what took place and what was created and how you could start seeing real, real heavy-duty connections. That's Kabbalah type of stuff, you know what I mean? But, so what happens here? It's very interesting. It says that the water, the water from above came down and the water from the wells came up, right? right? And this has something to do with Mashiach, right? Because the Pasuk says that this all has to do with bringing Mashiach closer. I'll read, I'll read you the Zohar again, and then you, we'll put it together. He says over here, the Zohar says, B'meya hashishis, the 600th year of the 6th millennium, Yiftichu shari hachachma, the wisdom of above will be open, Lamaila above, and the wisdom of below will be opened up. And the world will be preparing itself for the seventh year. So, for the seven thousandth period, which is Mashiach. So the, so the Lubavitcher Rebbe says, this is what he writes. I understand the Baal Shem Tov. I don't know, if I lost everybody on this, I really feel bad because I thought this would go over really quickly. It didn't go so quickly, but okay. Okay, bottom line is, Industrial Revolution, 1750, Baal Shem Tov, right, is at that same time, the same time, it's all that time period, the world starts to really, 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 really change. And the heavenly spirit and the knowledge of above comes in, and the knowledge from below starts coming in. So the Baba Shurepa said, and all of this is for the purpose of the, of the Mashiach to come, of preparing ourselves for Mashiach. So he says like this, when it comes to the Baal Shem when it comes to the Grah, when it comes to Kabbalah, when it comes to Hasidus, that we understand. That's the waters of above. That we understand how that has to do with bringing Mashiach. But what does it have to do with the Industrial Revolution? What does it have to do with the water from below coming up, which has to do with Chachma of the Goyim in this world? What does that have to do with the coming of Mashiach? What positivity does that have? And that's where he says is using technology for positive purposes. In other words, the Chachma Hashem started the, the major change in the world. Go back to the 11th century. What was going on? Nothing major in, in science, right? When were the main changes starting? 
When did things start happening? Right? During the Renaissance. That's when it began. I mean, they had no idea what was going on. All of a sudden, you have the revolution in the the 1750s and then the 1800s, and then all of a sudden you have Madame Curie, and all of a sudden the world starts opening up, and all of a sudden we start seeing, you know, all sides. You know, I, I, you know, I, I just learned this yesterday. I'm shocked. If anybody, I don't want to ask if anybody has rheumatoid arthritis, but if you have rheumatoid arthritis or you have Crohn's disease in your family. They found in the study that was done in Amsterdam and in Paris that it was a remnant for those people who survived the Black Plague, apparently the bubonic plague. 50% of the world died in the bubonic plague. And apparently, <clears throat> if a person developed the, uh, the gene which causes Crohn's disease, it protected and saved them. I don't know how that works because I know nothing about genetics. But you can go online, you can read about it. This was something that we learn about now because the wisdom below is all coming forward for us. So therefore, the Zohar says, again, let's just go over this. You have a Pasuk. The Pasuk says, and Noah was 600 years old when the Bible took place. And you're saying, who cares how old he was? Well, the Zohar says, no, 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 this is very important to know, because in the year 600 of the 5th millennium, the waters, the rain, is going to start coming from above, which is the Chachma of Torah, and from below, just like during the Mabel, which is the Chachma of, of the Goyim in general Chachma, and it's going to be there for the purpose of heralding in Mashiach, where everything will be, as he says, omole dea kemayim layam mechasim, which means the world will be filled with wisdom, just like water covers over all the oceans. Okay? So therefore, the chachma of the goyim and of the whole world, which we see in technology and in science and in all of that, are necessary in order for us to prepare ourselves for Mashiach. And therefore, if you go online and you use Google for good reasons, you should feel happy about it because it's a good thing. That was the purpose of this whole idea here that, that the Rebbe had this whole idea that you're supposed to use technology, L'Shem Shemayim, for good things and not focus and get caught up in the negative, bad, throw out that smartphone. That was the idea. I thought it was a good idea. Anybody have any feelings about that? We'll, we'll all flip phone people? Okay. So now we'll go to a different... Okay. Let's go to uh, the second page. Let's do page two. Everybody's got a bad rap with Noah. The Pasuk says Noah is Tzadik, right? So why can't we leave him alone? Right? It says, Noach is tzaddik. Noach was a tzaddik. So if Noach's a tzaddik, why the heck, why do we bother him so much? It's so much. Page number three. It's not page two. I, I uh, even put a little thing here. I'm going to say it outside, and then we'll say it inside. If you look at, if you remember this, I know you guys remember this. Let me see if I have a finish here. Okay. So, I don't... 
you'll have to re you'll have to trust me, but you you can look it up because everybody knows this Rashi. Noach is a tzaddik. Noach is tzaddik. But there's a strange thing because there's a pasuk that says it says Noach did not go into the teva. He didn't go into the ark. He built that ark. He was probably the worst cure professional in the history of the world. If you think about it, he built the ark for how many years? 120 years, and he doesn't have one balchuva from that. Now, the bottom line, you see from that, that's not numbers. <laughs> because if it was, he was real bad. But it's not a number game. you got to do the best you can do, right? But you got to think about how you're going to affect people. If you decide that you're going to use a medium which is not working, then you've got to find some other medium, right? It's not working. It's not working. But the, but he didn't want to go in the water. Do you remember it says that he was standing outside? The, the water's come. All the animals are going inside. And, and the water's coming up. Right? The water's coming up. And he's not going in. And then the Pasuk says, Vayishach Noach, Noach was there by himself. But then the water started coming very high. So he went in. Do you remember that? Do you remember that imagery? And if you look, and the Pasuk says here, the, and, and if I made that little mark. Do you see the little mark on the right side? So this is the Kedusha Slevi. It says, Ach Noach, Rashi quotes, this is a quote from Rashi, Ach Noach Mitani Munahoya. that he was a person of a small faith. He didn't believe so much. So we say Noach didn't believe so much. Because he's sitting outside. It's raining. The water's coming up. And he's not going into the table. So we say he didn't believe so much. Let me ask you a question. Why Why did Noah not doubt him? You know, you think about it. Avmavinu is faced with the people of Sodom. Right? Abraham will do anything for anybody. He's talking to God and three Arabs come by him. He just had a circumcision. This shouldn't be taken. What am I going to do? Guys. I'll pause that. Yeah, I don't see Guys, let me ask a question. If you had a circumcision, would it hurt? How much do you think it hurts? I think a lot. You're 99 years old. Does it hurt a lot? I think it hurts a lot. Now, it's hot, right? The Rashi, Rashi says that Hashem made it a really hot day. Right? Made it a really hot day. What happens when it's really hot? You sweat. What happens when you sweat? You're a doctor. What happens when you sweat on a cut? Very uncomfortable. What about if the cut's over there? It's really bad. It's really bad. Third day. He sees these three Arabs. He says, please come in. And they don't. So what does it say in the Pasuk? Vayara. He runs to them. Right? Why do you do it? Why do you do it? Because he felt that you got to go and Kirov is like the most important thing. So he left God, right? So God, he was in a, according to one peerish, Robin Shmuel, he's in the middle of having a prophetic vision and he leaves God to run to some Arab to try to convince him to come into his house and have some bread or whatever, right? That, that's what's going on over there. It's a little crazy, but that's, that's Avram Avinu. That's where we come from. 
And then when they're, when they're going to go down and kill the people of Saddam who refuse to even give salt, right? They refuse to give salt to people, right? As you, their laws were, you weren't allowed to help anybody, right? And we know about their beds. You remember the short bed? If, the, if you were short, they stretched you. If you were tall, they cut your legs off. Right? We all know those stories about Abu Rabino. But what does he do? He pray. You don't remember the story? So, but what does he do? He davens for them. Why didn't Noah daven for them? He's not successful when it comes to being Makar of the people. Okay. But why not daven for them? We don't find any reference that Noah davens for the people. Why? Why not? He wasn't confident. That's the answer. No confidence. There are two th- we believe that Sadiq goes there, a Sadiq decrees, and God then listens to what the Sadiq says. There are two types of Sadiq, and there's a Sadiq that just worries about himself, as long as I'm okay. And then there's the Sadiq, like the Hatzala people, who run out. You want to hear crazy? You want to hear crazy? My son has been telling everybody, you want to understand what a, what a tzaddik is? There were a few guys, I don't think they're here. I don't think you were part of it. I don't think. Maybe you were, maybe. It was on Yom Kippur in Nila. A bunch of guys got into a car, and they ambulance or whatever, and they went to Corona. Right? Middle of Nila. Everybody's screaming and whatever. And they got there, and the person was dead already for a while. They came back, and they asked my son, because it was still Yom Kippur, are you allowed to wash your, do you have to wash your hands up to here, after you with a dead body, or up to here? Were you there? Were you there as part of you? Oh, well, Rebbe's confusing two stories. No, I'm not. Well, hit me with the story. <laughs> there was a call during the Eva that people ran out on. Okay. The call that you're referring to was towards the end of Musaf. End of Musaf. Okay, but it's the kind. Con- it's the concept. No, listen. There were, there, there were both. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He's a tzaddikin. Does do they realize? Do these Hatzala people? Well, let's change it. There are what is it? Seven billion people in the world right now. Something like that. I'm not good at math, but it's yeah. about seven million people. How many people right now? Right now at this hour, are learning who are not in Kolo. We're not talking about people in Kolo. That's a different thing, and that's also a very small number. But we're talking about regular people. Right now, how many people in the world are learning right now who are regular business people? Out of 7 billion people, do we want to say 7,000 people? I don't think so, but whatever the number is. And we're sitting here, and we're learning and keeping the world afloat. Do we have any clue of how holy we are? No, we don't have any clue. We have no idea. It's a crazy thing. If you would take how many Jewish people, how many people are in the world, I would venture to say that this is a very high amount of people at this moment, right now, in the world, who are sitting together, who are learning, again, not in Kola, because that's, again, I'm not mitigating, I'm not limit, saying anything negative about Kola. But that's their job a little bit at that time. Okay? Or even let's you know what? Let's include all the Kolel people in the whole world. It's an amazing thing. We're, we're literally sitting and keeping do we realize? 
Do we realize what we're doing? We don't realize. We don't realize. That was a problem. Noach, when it says, Af Noach, Miktani Munahoyo. Yeah, I'm going to read you, go to the second side of the page, on the left. The Noach, it's in the, I made a little mark there. The Noach, Hagam Shere Godol. Even though Noach was a tremendous tzaddik, in his own eyes, he was very small. He did not have faith in himself. That he was a tzaddik. And that he could break the decree. He didn't realize what his power was. He felt the exact opposite. He felt he's no different than anybody else. He's no different. Now let's be real. You see these two guys here, they're in high school. I want to ask you, I can talk for myself. When I was 15 or 16? 15. I was with Susie. I wasn't real. Forget that. You don't know who Susie was a car. Okay. Okay. You don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. It's unbelievable. Look at these tzaddikim over here. You don't realize. You don't realize who you are. That's Noach didn't realize who he was. And he said, and he said, you know what? He said about himself, if I'm going to be saved in this big ark, right? God's going to save me. And I'm no different than anybody else. I'm just a regular Joe, right? I'm no different. I do Averas. Okay, so I do some good things. But, you know, I'm basically anybody else. So, hey, Macam, can you not know, so God's going to save them also. Because I'm no better. That's what he thought. Because of that, he didn't go into the, oh, he didn't go into the table right away. Because he didn't, he didn't think of himself as being worthy of being saved any more than anybody else. He was Mitani Amuna. And that's why he didn't govern for anybody. Because he thought about himself. He thought of himself as being a small person. And not that he and not understanding that he was really a tzaddik tamim that he could change the world. It's a crazy thing. When when let me ask you a question. When Basia, these are all part of Jewish the Jewish lexicon of thought. There's there's a few midrashim that I think that every Jewish person, no matter if they went to yeshiva in South Africa or Russia, or in America, or Persia, there's certain, or Iraq, there's certain Midrashim that we all know. One is, what's that thing under your nose? What's that? The angel touched you, and you forgot all you told, right? And Rav Noach Weinberg used to say, why is it under your nose? To teach you that everything, all knowledge of Torah is really under your nose. It's right there. But but that's like one message. Okay. Another measure I, I think that everybody knows about is Avraham's father. What was the father's profession? What, he was an idol maker. He made the idols. And what happened? One idol had a fight with the other idols, right? 
and they killed each other. All the idols knocked each other out, right? So I think that's enough. I think then you have two more that are very famous. I think you have the one with the mountains all fighting about who's going to receive the Torah, right? The big one, the small one, the sharp one, right? The, and then the Torah was given at Harsina. The last one is, in my mind, is that there's this lady, Basia, and she sees uh, a basket, and she puts her hand out there, and she stretches her hand, right? And the hand goes like a 50 feet, 100 feet, right? Everybody knows that moment. That's ridiculous. Not that it didn't happen. It's ridiculous for a person to try to put... I can't... I mean, I might like Mr. Noy, but I can't grab him from here. The answer is you got to try. And if you try, you don't know. Noch didn't try. Because Noch didn't think he could do it. And that's something we have to teach our children. That's something we have to teach ourselves. That's something we have to really teach ourselves because the world tries to make step on us and make us feel like we're not capable. But it's unbelievable what we could do. It's unbelievable what we could do. All of our leaders. And Noah, unfortunately, so Noah comes back as Moshe. According to Kabbalah, Noah is Moshe is a Gilgal of Noah. Moshe's exact opposite. Noah gave up on himself, so to speak, that he can't do it. Moshe is the one that's arguing with God about everything. Moshe is the one who's giving his life for everything. That's exactly the point. That's Moshe goes and he he goes and he flips on it. He flips on it. So we have to we have to learn from Noah. Noah was a big tzaddik. He was. He was a big tzaddik. He didn't believe. He didn't know what he had. He didn't know what his abilities really were. Anybody have any question on that? That one went a little bit easier than the Zohar one. I like that. I like them apples. Okay, so we'll do the first one if we have time. Do we have... I'm going to do it outside. Do we have 10 minutes? Yeah, 10 minutes. It's strange. Yes. So it's a strange message. the first page. The Kedushas Levi. Who is Levi Yitzhak of Barkitcha? I mean, we, we're going to be learning the second piece. It was just his yard side. What? It was just his Last yard week, I think. Okay, so the Kedushas Levi, there's no English word for it, but he was a Mechutan, which means that his child and the first Lubavitcher Rebbe's children got married together. The Kedushas Levi was the uh, second generation of Hasidic masters. You have the Baal Shem Tov. Right? The Baal Shem Tov has no sons. He has a daughter. The daughter has a son whose name is Rav Nachman. Okay? That's where that comes from. When he died, they were the person who took over Hasidism was the Maggid of Mezerich, or the Mezerich Maggid. And he had numerous students. One was, so that he's like the second generation of Baal Shem Tov, Mezrachimagid. Then the third generation is Rab Nachman, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Kedusha Slevi. For the moment, we'll leave it at that, for those three, for the moment. There are others too, but for the moment. The Kedusha Slevi goes down in history as the person that was the defendant of the Jewish people. 
everybody knows the stories about Levi Yitzchak. He's the one that when he saw somebody smoking on Yom Kippur, on Shabbos, and he goes over to the, the person and says, excuse me, sir, but do you know that it's Shabbos? And he says, yes, I do. He says, do you know that you're smoking? And the guy says, I know I'm smoking. So then the Kedusha slave says, well, maybe your doctor told you that if you don't smoke, you could die. You have to smoke. He said, no, 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 I'm breaking Shabbos. And then he goes to the Yeron Kodesh and he says, HaKadosh Baruch your people never lie. They never lie. They always tell the truth. He was the, he was the person who, when there was a, well, there's a lot of stories, but there was a person who couldn't read and he wanted to daven, so he said the whole Aleph Bez, Aleph Bez, give him a Dalit, and his father, you know, like, him, uh, whacked him because, like, what are you doing? This is not, what are you doing? And Levi Yitzchak said that the the walls of in Shemayim were blocked until this little kid started saying the Aleph Bez. Levi Yitzchak was the defender of the Jewish people by some Hasidic people, and, the, and I have to tell you that I saw it with my own eyes, by the uh, bust in the Rebbe, in the middle of Yom Kippur, they would stop, and they would just mention his name, Levi Yitzchak ben Sarasasya, because it was a defense for the Jewish people. The last story I'll tell you about him was so interesting, it was on Pesach, and he first he called, and he, uh, he asked, this is during the time of a war between Japan and Russia, and he asked that uh, they bring him um, some kind of um, tobacco or something from Japan. And as Hasidim said, you know, if we get caught, we'll die. And he said he, he wants it. So they get it for him. Because what the Rebbe wants, the Rebbe gets. And then he says, I want a piece of chametz. And they couldn't believe he was saying this, but he said, I want chametz. And they looked all over the city of Bardichev, and they couldn't find any chametz. And they told the rabbi this, and then the rabbi went to the Aron Kodesh and see, see, Jews are willing to put their lives at risk for money. But if you try to get a piece of chametz, you can't get it. You can't get any chametz. That was Levi Yitzchak. So the, we, the last thing we do about Noah is from the Kedusha Slavery. So this is what the Boston rabbi taught me. I'm going to say it outside. And you can learn it if you want. It's on the left side of the first page, Rabbi Senu Amru. And if anybody wants to learn it inside, I'd be happy to teach it to you. It says in the, in the Pasuk and Voracious, Vayar Lukim Or, and God saw the light, Ve'esachosha. God saw, God made light, and God made darkness. Now there's different, just keep that in mind. God made light, God made darkness, and God saw that the light was good. Okay? God made dark light, God made darkness, and God saw that light was good. Now, there's different ways of learning Torah. They're all true. It's like, um, it's like a, a lotus plant. <coughs> you know, you could uh, peel different layers. So we have a thing called pshat. Pshat is literal translation. There's a thing called drush. Drush is where you take the words and pass down from Sinai. There's interpretation to it um, in an um, ex expansive fashion. So the Medrash says in Medrash Rabbah, when, God, when the Pasuk says, and God 
made light. This refers to Elu Ma'asem Shel Tzadikim. These are the actions of the Tzadikim. Listen to those words. Elu Ma'asehem Shel Tzadikim. These are the actions of the Tzadikim. Esachoshech, darkness. Elu Ma'asehem Shel Rishon. These are the actions of the evil, of the Rishon. Then the Medr says, <laughs> what does God really want? The actions of the evil, the of the bad, or the actions of the good? That's why the verse says, the God saw that the light was good, which means God really wants the actions of the good. So that's it. Like so again, I'll say it outside. Light is equal to the actions of the good. Darkness is equal to the actions of evil. What does God really want? That's why it says, God saw light is good. God wants the actions of the tzaddikim, of the good. Let me ask you a question. This is what the Kedush Levi asks. Does anybody think for one second that God wants Hitler? Does anybody think for one moment that God wants the actions of the evil? God, of course, wants the actions of tzaddikim. You hear the question at all? Why does it say? It says God, that light is good, darkness is bad, what's better, light is better. What the heck is that talking about? We know that. You need a pastor to teach you that God wants good over bad. So he says like this. You know in Shema, it says, Five minutes, we're done. You should love God with your whole heart. Levavcha is two bases. Levavcha, two bases. The Gemara Bracha says, it teaches you that you should love God with your Yetzah Tov and your Yetzah Har. What does that mean you love God with Yetzah Tov and Yetzah Har? That's what it means. There are certain actions which are predominantly good. Love, kindness. They are predominant. That's a predominantly good trait. Yes, you could use it for bad things, but it's a predominantly good thing. What does Levavcha, what does it mean to love God with your Yetzirah? There are certain traits which are bad, such as, for example, anger, kas. It's a bad trait. But you know what? You could use anger for a good thing. So here comes the question. You have two ways to get your kid to be good. One way is to love him to death until he loves Torah so much that when he comes into shul and he gets a goodie bag that is so freaking big, that all he thinks about is how he loves coming to shul because his, his sugar level is popping out of his skin and he just loves it. He just loves it. Somebody said to me that the reason kids like coming to Ashivenu, I don't know if he's true, but this is what somebody told me yesterday. His name is, uh, it was Dovi Elias. No, no. It wasn't Dovi. Maybe it was. Somebody said to me, the reason that they like bringing their kids, I mean, the kids have a good time in Ashivinu, is because they see their parents happy. And kids want to see their parents happy. Interesting thought. Interesting thought. You're the psychologist. You'll decide if that's true. Bottom line is, one way that you can get the kid to like coming to shul is by giving him so much freaking candy. And now let's, well, not, like, let's be healthier. By giving a lot of covered. Like, let the little kid sit right in the front and make him feel covered. You know what I mean? That's one way. 
The other way is by smacking him up and pulling him by his ear and saying, if you don't get the hell out of that bed, okay, you're never going to be happy because I'm going to ruin your week. I'm going to take away every baseball card that you ever had. I'm going to rip them up tonight if you don't get For every minute that you're late, I'm going to rip two baseball cards. I don't, I don't feel like baseball cards anymore. Whatever. Now, let's assume for a moment both <coughs> actions work. I don't believe they do. But let's make, you know what I mean? You can, at the end of the day, kid number one from Candyland is sitting in, in shul, sitting there. And kid number two from Torture Chamber, he's sitting there in shul also. So it looks from the outside like both cases, right, both situations are equal. No, no, no. God says you have two options. You have the way of the, the actions of the tzaddikim, which means chesed and love. You can inf- affect people that way. Or you have the other way, which is the anger and force. And maybe they both look the same at some points. What does God really want? God wants the candy bags. He doesn't want your ears being pulled out of your sockets. You don't know what I'm talking about, but I've seen it. Anybody ever seen people get abused to go to show? I'm the only one that saw people abused. Well, yeah, yeah, he knows. He knows. That's what the Caduceus Levy says. God doesn't want the other way. Now, sometimes you have no choice. But those sometimes, we're talking about one out of one, one million. You know, it's like, it's like putting hot sauce, you know. You can't, you give it a little drop. If you put too much hot sauce, you burn the mouth out. Avi did not go to shore until he was, he was a little more than 12. You guys know the famous story about Kaddish. I think it's the cutest story. He came to me, he was 12 years old. I said to him, listen, until 12 years old, I didn't care. He didn't want to go to shore. He'd sit in bed and he'd be playing baseball cards. Every Thursday night, I'd buy him a Beckett magazine. And his whole show, you know what Beckett is? That's a, a baseball card uh, price because he used to sell baseball cards. And his whole shop is he'd be laying in bed. And it, uh, he didn't go to show. His mamish did not go to show. And then at 12, when he turned 12, I said, listen, your bar mitzvah's coming up. You don't even know what a show looks like. He really didn't know what a show looked like. So I said, you got to start coming, you know. So one day he came to me, because he's a really sweet kid. And he said he's upset with Rabbi Bergman. That was the rabbi who said that on the show. I said, why are you upset? He said, because he never lets you say Kaddish. I said, what, the, what are you talking about? He said, he, he said to me, I've been looking and I see that every day different people are appointed to say Kaddish. And you never get the opportunity. <laughs> he didn't know. He didn't know. He's 12 years old. He didn't know because I didn't push him to go to shul. He didn't know. His mamish didn't know. You know? Anyway, that uh, bottom line is sweet. Sweet is the way to go. Now, so some Sephardi are going to say that I'm anti-Sephardi because they don't eat sweet. They eat harif, right? But we're in America now, so therefore you've got to load them up with sugar. Get them diabetic. You know. <laughs> anyway, where's the food? Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Sorry about that first board. That is very...